Welcome back to the Seeking Proof Finding Grace podcast. I'm your host, Ron Campbell, and this week, as with every week, I want to start off by encouraging you with the most important truth in the entire universe. God loves you. Now, as we jump into episode 12 this week, we've been building this foundation of how do we begin our search looking for God. And as we've done that, we've talked about a lot of important things along the way, the atonement and the the resurrection and who is God and what is God's purpose. And all of that kind of comes together in this question of salvation. What does it all mean and how does it come together? And in that very first episode of this podcast, we, we talked about a prayer, that when you're finally ready to begin a relationship with God, what does that look like? How do I do that? And we talked about a prayer of jumping in and starting that relationship with God. This week, I want to take some of what we've talked about over the last 11 episodes and maybe expand the context on that just a little before we jump both feet in on this question of are we a cosmic accident or were we created in the weeks to come? So as we do that, let's take a look at that by jumping into scripture this week and really applying some context to this question of what does it take to begin a relationship with God? And now that we've talked about all these things, what's the why? The why is important. Why do we do certain things and what does that mean? So let's jump in. First first piece of scripture we're going to look at this week is Romans 3.23. It says, all have, sh- all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that's a pretty straightforward verse. Everybody has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, when we think about this, I, I'm going to be the first to admit, I am not a good candidate for earning my way to heaven by being perfect. Uh, I'm not, and I have no trouble admitting that. Anybody who knows me would tell you, yeah, no doubt, he's not going to get there. But the reason the standard is perfection goes back to this question of what is God's purpose. God's purpose in all of this is not to take us on a two-week-long summer vacation where we all just have to get along and bear each other for a couple of weeks. That's not what we're doing. God is looking at bringing us back into eternal relationship with him, well, for forever, for eternity. And that, that evokes a very different standard. You know, when, it, we, when it, the Bible says that line, all have sinned. Okay, so a lot of the things that we get angry with God for are those things that when we look around us, we're angry because why does God allow bad people to do bad things? Why do bad things happen? And a lot of the time that involves that first part of that statement, bad people doing bad things. We create a lot of problems. I create a lot of problems. We all create a lot of problems. Down here on this side of eternity, we don't like the way that looks. The problem is, if God carries us into eternity the way that we are, eternity looks exactly like now. And I think we all agree nobody likes the way now looks. So how does God get us into eternity, but fix us along the way? Because we're the problem. God's clearly not the problem. We are the problem, and he wants us back in relationship with him for all of eternity. And that's where the atonement and the resurrection and all of that came into play. God's purpose for bringing us into relationship with him is not some two-week-long summer vacation. It's forever. So that's going to require a very different solution. And what that requires is perfection, because we don't want eternity to look like now, because we, I think we're all in agreement, now looks kind of messy. So that's going to take us to the second step, because I can't get there on my own, okay? So if I can't get there on my own, what do I do? Okay, Romans 6.23 has our answer. The wages of sin is death. Okay, I kind of get that. So 
my behavior now separates me from God for forever. So I can't do it. And the and what happens since I can't do it on my own is eternal separation from God. So that's what that means. The wages of sin is death. So left on my own, I'm in trouble and I'm separated from God for all eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Okay, so that's grace. That's the atonement on the cross. Jesus went, again, we, we've talked about this. Jesus laid down eternity. He recognized before laying the foundations of the earth that it was going to take him going to the cross to get us into eternity. And he was willing to do it. And so he picked the perfect moment at the perfect time. This goes back to God's plan that we talked about. And at the perfect moment, he laid down eternity. He became one of us. He lived a perfect life. And he carried to the cross all of our sin debt, and he paid it in full. So God's solution to this is absolute, and it fixes everything as we go forward. And all I have to do, I have to accept his sacrifice. And once I accept his sacrifice, then I no longer have to earn my way to heaven. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what that verse is saying is, look, yeah, on my own, I'm not going to make it, but God's gift to me, God's grace, through his sacrifice on the cross, through that, I can, I can get back into relationship with God. Makes perfect sense. But Paul continues to expand on that a little bit more in the book of Romans. And let's just expand that a tiny bit further, because this is where people tend to get lost. You say, wait, wait a minute. If it's that easy, why aren't more people becoming Christians? Well, number one, I think most people don't hear the message and don't actually understand what the offer being made is. There's also a question, obviously, in looking at this. So people will look, I just don't believe any of it. Okay, we're going to, again... Very shortly here, starting next week, we're going to start addressing this question of were we created or are we just a great cosmic accident? But when we look at it, let's be clear about a couple of things, because you'll find today some people walking away from the faith. Some people who said, well, I used to be Christian, but I don't believe that anymore. Let's kind of bring that together with this last point in Romans and see what that actually means. And I think this context will help a little bit more as we look at this question. Okay, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 is where we close the loop on the rest of this. It says, if we, if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, so let's bring all of this together and talk about what that means. You notice that point in there where it says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what the what scripture is basically saying there, what God's saying to us through the book of Romans, is that I need to believe that Jesus was who he said he was, and that he did what he said he did. It's that, it's that simple, it's that straightforward. He came, God laid down eternity in the form of Jesus, he became one of us, he was born as one of us, he lived a perfect life, he went through everything that we go through, except he did it perfectly. And when the time came, he carried the sin debt of mankind to the cross. He paid it in full. Three days later, God raised him from the dead, and he now sits at God's right-hand side in heaven. 
ready to come back here to bring us all home to heaven to be with him. There is a question in all of this. Well, how could God do this? And this is why we went through the atonement and the resurrection before we got to this point. How could God do all of that? You know, we looked at that video of Christopher Hitchens where Hitchens is saying it's unjust and it's immoral and it's all of these things. But it's not. And the reason we determined that it wasn't was two reasons, if you remember that. Because Jesus was God, he, number one, had legal standing to pay the price. So God, because he is our creator, he is our heavenly father, he has the legal standing to step in and to, number one, determine what the price for all of the sin debt of mankind would be. How much, what is the value of all of that? God looked at the value of all of that and he said, I am going to set the value at the most valuable thing in the entire world, in the entire universe, my perfect sinless life. I will lay down my life. That is the most valuable thing in the entire universe. I will lay that down as the price for the sin debt of all of mankind. So God sets the price enormously high because, again, God takes all of this very seriously. If you have more questions on that, go back and catch those episodes on the atonement from a couple of shows ago. So number one, God has the legal standing to do so. So Jesus can do it legally because he has standing. And number two, he has within himself the currency to do so. But here's the catch. He only has within himself the currency to do so if he's God. Even if I could live a perfect life, which not going to happen, obviously. But if I could, my life wouldn't be worth enough to pay for the sin debt of all of mankind. I might earn my own way into heaven, but that's all I could do. Jesus carries so much more value in his life that he has the currency within himself to pay the debt. We talked about all of that. And we talked about the resurrection of why we believe that that actually occurred. Even though it's the most, it's the least likely thing on the surface, when you look at the, when you look at the evidence, and you look at the details, it's the only logical explanation that could have explained what happened. So when you bring all of this together, what Romans is telling us is, look, you need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did. Now that's no small thing, because when I accept the gift of salvation, I'm laying down my right to earn my way to heaven on my own. And this is why it says, this is why when Romans starts off with, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And this is where people tend to get tripped up sometimes. A lot of people are willing to say, well, you know, I think Jesus was a good guy. I think Jesus was a great teacher. And I like the whole going to heaven idea thing. So yeah, you know what? I'll accept his offer. I'll accept the going to heaven thing. Yeah, I disagree with everything else he said, but I'll accept that going to heaven thing. Yeah, that's a problem. And, and that's part of what Romans is trying to get across to us there. He's the Lord Jesus. So we accept him as Lord and Savior. A lot of people are good with the Savior part. But it's the Lord part where lately here people are getting kind of tripped up on this. And it's happened for all millennia. I'm willing to accept what Jesus did, but I don't believe what he said. So here's the catch. He could only carry our sin debt to the cross. He could only pay for our sin debt if he was God. Now, we kind of get that, but I need you to take that one step further. If he's God, then when he says something, he's going to be right about it because he's God. So 
this whole idea of, well, I like what Jesus said, but I like what Jesus did, but I disagree with what he said because it was old fashioned or I don't like this or that. This is where people get tripped up and this is where we have problems. I think some people have this idea that, well, I'm going to accept, I think God is like a butler. And, you know, when I accept Jesus as my Savior, what that means is he's going to take me to heaven someday and I'm not ever going to suffer. There's never going to be any consequences for bad decisions. Every time I pray for something, he's just going to make it happen. And whatever I want, he's going to be good with that. And so he's like my butler. I like Butler Jesus. Butler Jesus is a great guy and he takes care of everything I need. The problem is that's nowhere in scripture. That's not biblical at all. And so when difficult times come into someone's life, they immediately walk away from that because they've been believing in a God who's not real. That's not who God is. God's pretty straightforward that in this life, even if you're a Christian in this life, you're going to go through tough times. We live in a fallen world. Until we get to the other side of eternity, there's going to be some rocky times in this world, even if you're a Christian. So the idea of butler God, that, that doesn't happen. That's not right. I think one of the other things people get caught up in is, well, I read the Bible and it said that Jesus is all loving. And since Jesus loves everybody, then every, anybody can make it to heaven and it's all nice and it's all good. And anything that I do, Jesus loves me. So he just accepts no matter what I do. That, that's not a thing either. So that's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible describes Jesus as being both full of grace and truth at the same time. And it's not like he is, well, he's 51% grace and he's 49% truth. And so thank goodness he's more grace than truth. So if they're, if they're a little bit out of balance, he'll just, we'll just focus on the grace part and we'll forget the truth part. God is perfectly 100%. He is the physical embodiment of love. But he's also the physical embodiment of justice and truth and righteousness and all of these other things. God isn't partially anything. He couldn't be perfect if he was. He doesn't have bad days. He doesn't have good days. He's perfect all the time. His days are always perfect. So this idea that God is going to approve of everything that we want to do because he loves us, well, he does love us, and he loves us unconditionally, but that also doesn't mean that he approves of everything that we do. I love my children unconditionally, but I don't approve of everything that they do. I also recognize that God loves me unconditionally, but at the same time, he doesn't approve of everything that I do. That doesn't mean that he cuts me loose every time I have a bad day. When I begin a relationship with him, when I pray the prayer that we're going to pray here in just a minute, God doesn't look at me and say, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to go become perfect. And when you get perfect, then come back to me and then we can begin a relationship. That's nothing could be further from the truth. Praise God. Nothing could be further from the truth. God looks at me and recognizes who I am. And he says, look, I want you to come to me now. I want you to accept relationship with me now. And we're going to work on the rest of it. Now, what that doesn't mean is, you know what, come accept a relationship with me, and then you can hold me at arm's length and not do, you know, not agree with me on anything else. Again, that's that I'm good with what, you know, I'm good with Jesus' offer of salvation, but I'm not good with anything else he said. But at the same time, what he looks at us and says is, look, he goes, I know you struggle with some things. Come to me, and we'll work on those things. 
You know, I, I think I mentioned in that first podcast episode, I don't need to know the answer to every single question before I come to God. I also don't need to be perfect before I come to God. God takes his perfection and he uses it to cover me. He covers me in it completely. The Bible describes that he washes away all of our sins. That doesn't mean I stop sinning. It doesn't mean I'm perfect from that point going forward from a physical perspective. What that means is I am perfect in his eyes. I am His righteousness covers me. The payment that he made for me covers me, but it only does so if he's God. So I come to him as I am. And I, when I accept relationship with him, I'm back into relationship with God. I'm where he wants me to be. I'm not perfect. I'm, but on this side of eternity, I'm never going to become perfect. But every day I take a step closer to him. And unfortunately, some days I take a step back. And that's probably true, too. Not probably. It is true. Who am I kidding? But every day I take a step closer to him because I'm in agreement with him that he's right. And I'm going to do my very best to try to get there with him, even though I'm fallen. So we need to understand and accept that God is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. But he can only do that if he's God. If all paths lead to heaven and we don't need Jesus, then why in the world did he go to the cross? You know, this is one of those things that we'll look at down the road. After we've covered evolution, we're going to talk about the accuracy of Scripture, and we'll expand more on some of these theological points. But if all paths lead to heaven, then why did Jesus have to go to the cross? And Jesus would say, I had to go to the cross, and that's why I said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He didn't say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. Early Christians, Christianity was known as the way early on because Jesus made this exclusive statement. So when we look at that, we, we need to be very clear. He is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. That's what it means in Romans, when Romans lays that out. So once you have that, once you understand those things, once you're ready to step into relationship with God, like I said in that first podcast episode, you don't have to answer every question up front. You need to answer the big questions so you're ready to step into relationship with God. Do I need to understand that God exists? Yes. Do I need to believe that Jesus was God? Yes, I do. I need to understand that Jesus was God. I need to understand that he died on the cross. There are things I need to understand. Do I need to understand why we have mosquitoes? No, probably not. I'd like an answer to that question because I really disagree with whatever the answer is, but I don't know. I don't really need an answer to every question between now and then. So when you're ready to step into relationship with God, don't wait. Don't push it off. It's the most important decision you can make. Make that decision. And when you're ready, pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe that you are God's only begotten Son. You laid down eternity and you were born as one of us. You lived a perfect sinless life and at the perfect moment you carried my sin debt and the sin debt of all of mankind to the cross and you paid it in full. And I need a Savior. I accept your sacrifice as payment in full for my sin debt. I believe that on the third day God raised you from the dead and you now sit at God's right hand side in heaven, ready to come back here to gather all of us up to bring us home to heaven to be with you. I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for your gift of, and sacrifice for me. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all it takes.
That's all it takes is praying that prayer, a prayer like that in your heart for meaning business with God, for stepping into relationship with God. That's all it takes. And you begin the most important relationship in the world with God. After that, get in the Bible. Open up the Bible and get in the Bible. If someone is preaching to you and saying, well, you can ignore what the Bible says, you need to get away from that as quickly as you can. As we're going to study in the, in the weeks to come, the Bible is God's word reliably preserved for us. You need to get in the Bible and read what the Bible says. Start with Matthew. I love to start with Matthew. A lot of people love to start with John. Either of them is great. Start working your way through the New Testament. It's a great place to start. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is an amazing expression of God's love for us. Romans is a deep theological dive into all of these issues of Christianity that we've been dealing with. And it's amazing to listen to Paul struggling with sin and things in his life. And you, you feel a little bit like, that sounds like me. I, I, I can relate to that. Jump into the Bible and get into God's Word and find a good church that preaches what the Bible says. If, if you get into any church that says, yeah, you can ignore that, the Bible really doesn't mean that, then you need to be very careful with what you're dealing with and probably walk away from that. Get into a good Bible-believing church. You need to be scripturally baptized. That's water baptized. That's immersion baptized after you get saved. The Bible's very straightforward about that. But you don't have to do anything else. It's, it's praying that prayer and believing those things. That steps you into relationship with God. The next thing you should do is be baptized, and you should grow in your relationship with God. Spend time with God. You know, you can't grow in any relationship with anybody if you don't spend time with that person. I was, uh, I was talking to my future son-in-law before my, he got married to my daughter, and one of the things, piece of, pieces of advice that I gave him was, in many cases, time is the measurement of how much commitment you put into a relationship. It's true with kids. It's true with your spouse. It's true with anybody. Your measurement of success in a relationship a lot of time is going to be based on how much time you're willing to put into a relationship. We know that that's true with a marriage. We know that that's true with our kids. And somehow we think that's not true with God. Spend some time with God every day. I try to spend the first hour of my day every day with God. I am not always successful in doing that. But when I am, I notice my relationship with God gets so much closer. Spend that time with God. Do those things. Look for other resources. There are great resources out there in your walk with Christ. There are an enormous number of really good books and things like that that you should look into. There's a lot of great podcasts out there that I would strongly recommend. Look at those things and look to expand your relationship with God. That time that you're spending in the car, devote it to good things. Turn on some good Christian music and just enjoy and watch your relationship with God grow. As always, I would love it if you would hit that subscribe button and the like button on this podcast. If you listen to our, our uh, podcasts on Spotify or iTunes, love it if you would follow us there. You can reach us on our website at prooftograce.com or via email at prooftograce at yahoo.com. And I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. Next week, we're going to address this question of God of the gaps. What does that mean, God of the gaps? And what we're going to find is there's people on both sides of the equation guilty of that. And we're going to avoid doing that as we go forward. And then we jump into Albert Einstein and the discovery that led us to hit the rewind button to go back to the beginning of the universe. Thank you so much for joining us this week at Seeking Proof, Finding Grace. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.